When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand and put my finger in the mark in the nails of, of my hand and his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through the believing you may have life in his name. Let's be in a spirit of prayer together. Oh God, no matter where we've come from this day, what uh, situation, um, whether we're wide awake or a little tired or just returning from somewhere or preparing to go somewhere, plant us firmly in this time, in this moment, in this space, that we might hear your word, that we might listen to that word, that we might be changed by the word. Amen. From that text, Jesus said to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. I won't believe it until I see it. Until I see it. Years ago on a balmy late August summer night, when I was on staff at a church camp in southern New Hampshire, I left a party some of us were having after the last of the campers had left for the season and went off by myself, sat on the back porch of the kitchen looking for some quiet, not expecting anything out of the ordinary save for the flicker of the occasional firefly or heat lightning flashing in the distance. There is something mystical, mysterious, about a quiet New England summer night. The weight of the warm air, the kiss of a cool breeze, 
The sounds of the night, peepers peeping, moths fluttering, circling around a back porch light. It's as if anything could happen. And so I leaned back on my elbows and I looked up at the northern sky, dark and moonless. And then I I saw what looked like, well, for lack of a better term, white lace curtains fluttering in the breeze just above the horizon stretched across one side of the sky to the other. That light, muted, white, shimmered and danced as if alive, as if carried along on some invisible celestial wind. After a few minutes of being totally transfixed, I realized I was witnessing the northern lights. The northern lights. A light show unlike any other I'd ever seen before, have never witnessed since, and I first thought, wow, wow. And then I've got to get someone else to watch this with me, to see this. And so I took one last look, and I rushed back to the party, and I grabbed a few friends. You've got to see this. And I dragged them to the porch and said, look, look. And so we did look, and there was a normal dark night sky. A few stars here and there, but nothing any different than we'd seen so many other nights. Beautiful, yes, extraordinary. No. It was there, the northern lights. I saw them. Really? My friends gave me a skeptical look, sarcastically asked, So how many beers have you had tonight, John? (laughs) It was there, I protested. The northern lights, I'm not joking. Okay, they said, and walking away, they half-joked. When they come back, be sure and get us. I suppose they had to see it to see that breathtaking and rare phenomena to really, really believe it. And I don't blame them. They probably kind of believed me. But some things, some things, well, we want to see them face to face, physically, up close and personal, to believe it, to experience it. If you are not there for whatever that miracle might be, well, You might wonder, did it really happen? Thomas, it was amazing. We saw him, said Peter, as all 11 apostles and others gathered together for the first time since Jesus' death. Story of Jesus' body vanishing from the tomb and the two Marys actually seeing Jesus alive were spreading among the villages around Jerusalem, were being whispered about at the community well as folks got their water. It was the talk of the temple. Jesus raised from the dead. Peter said, he came to see us last night. He showed us his hands and feet. He came right through that locked door as if it wasn't there. But Thomas, ever the skeptic, the logical one, the concrete one among the 12 who had been away on family business, he looked at Peter And he grinned. It's 10 o'clock in the morning, Peter. So how many cups of wine have you had today? He was with us, Peter protested. It's not a joke. I'm serious, asks the others. And Thomas replied, 
Unless I can put my hands in the wounds, actually see him face to face, I won't believe it. I can't believe it. He's gone. It's awful, I know. But he's not coming back. Now, we, of course, we know how that story turns out. Six days later, Jesus appears again to the assembled disciples. And this time he comes right up to Thomas to show himself directly. And he says, go on, Thomas, touch me. Touch my injuries. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas, he believes. And Jesus then speaks the final words he will say on the earth, at least according to the Gospel of John. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. I won't believe it until I see it. You know, history in our Christian tradition often gives Thomas a pretty bad rap. He's a doubter, he's a skeptic. He's a show-me kind of guy. Poor Thomas. The implication is that, of course, had we been around in those resurrection days, we wouldn't have said we had to actually see the risen Jesus directly. We would have just believed it. We would have had faith without seeing, without physical evidence, without proof. Maybe yes, maybe no. Friends, it's a pretty fantastic story, this resurrection tale, this ancient report of someone who was dead and buried, no heartbeat, no breath sounds, deceased, alive, and walking and talking and appearing seemingly from thin air, able to pass through locked doors. I'd like to think I'm like Peter and would believe But the truth is, I've got lots of Thomas in me, too. We all do. It's only human, after all, to only believe it when we see it. But then there's this whole question of faith. Faith, which is somehow beyond belief. Faith, which is somehow beyond physical sight. Faith as trust and not just intellectual or logical agreement with some assertion. Or in St. Paul's words from the letter to the Hebrews, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I remember the first time I visited the Holy Land in Jerusalem in 1994, I think I went over there hoping I'd actually get to see the dinner check from the Last Supper. And yet the truth is, there is not much left from an archaeological or proof perspective of first century Palestine when Jesus walked that land. It's been built over again and again over 2,000 years by Rome, by Greece, by the Ottoman Empire, by the British By modern-day Israel, I did not find, I could not find much evidence, not like you'd see at a crime scene. Instead, I'd have to have faith, faith without seeing. What I really needed then 
what I need now in my faith is not just belief, belief, but instead more so trust. Trust. Do you hear that? To believe in a God we see, to trust in a God we know. That Greek verb believe, in fact, can mean two things. Either to think to be true or acknowledge as fact, but it also translates as to put one's trust in, to trust, to have confidence in. So if I had one post-Easter hope for all of us when it comes to Jesus, to his life and death and resurrection and this truth, it would not be that we all believe in Christ more. It would be that we all try to trust Christ more, to trust in God, as in give over to God our whole lives for care and comfort and hope and life and inspiration. In a way, belief, the belief of proof and evidence, it's like the first steps in a relationship. It's the beginning of a connection. Like, remember when you first fall in love with someone and you want to believe that they do actually want to be with you, and yet, at the beginning, you worry whether they will actually call you back or answer that email or say yes to the next date. I remember when I was in that belief phase with an old girlfriend, and we'd been together for a couple of months, and I decided that I would be the first one to take a leap of faith and to say those three risky words. What are they? I love you. And so I did, on a late night phone call from some desert gas station when I was far away on a road trip, and I said that. And then I waited for her response. I worried she'd say, well, that's nice, John. (laughs) But she said, I love you. And we went deeper. And we trusted each other even more from then on. Belief says, I must see it first. Trust says, I have confidence in you. Belief is baby steps. Trust says we are well along on the journey. So do we believe in God? And more important, do we trust in God? Because faith, my friends, a resurrection faith is finally not about just belief. Putting our hands into the wounds, seeing Jesus in the flesh. Faith, deep faith, is finally about trust. Trust in a power greater than ourselves who takes an active and loving interest in each and every one of our lives. Trust that God is at work in the world, even if some days it is so hard to see that or believe that. Trust that when we pray to God, God listens, God responds, though not always how we'd imagine it should be. Trust. It's like the quality of trust we place in an old friend who's always been there for us, in a spouse who has stood by us through all the ups and downs of life. Trust 
that finally comes not from the head, but from the heart. Not from proof, but instead from an ongoing and vital relationship. Hear this prayer by the Roman Catholic mystic and writer Thomas Merton, one I've kept with me for many years. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road. Therefore, I will trust you. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Friends, to believe is a good start. It's a great start, but to trust. This is where life and faith and resurrection go deep. So may we trust in God this day and all days that all God's Peters and all God's Thomases and all God's Marys say, Amen.